Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. As usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on. CONCACAF Champions League, getting you ready for MLS because the kickoff is in like three days, I think, as we're recording this on Thursday. We have games on Saturday and on Sunday. So finally, for the last time, we get to stop previewing soccer. And next week, we'll actually be talking about real MLS soccer. So super excited to be back previewing the Eastern Conference as last week we previewed the Western Conference. So if you want to get your Western Conference fix in, go check out last week's episode as we get ready to preview the East with both our teams, beloved Toronto FC and Atlanta United. So super excited to be back. But before we get into the wonderful Eastern Conference, it has been a week, a wild, wild week. Uh, I don't and, think yeah. that really cuts it true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. It's been a wild 24 hours. Wild 12 there hours. There we go. It's been, yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. It's been a time to be alive. Um, but Connor, you're on reading week. So that's must be nice, right? How's how's that going for you? I guess that's like a week off school. Yeah, uh, it would be a lot nicer if there wasn't a war going on. Um, but, you know, here we are. Thanks a lot, Russia. You I can't say those words on this podcast uh, because we try to keep it, keep it clean. Yeah. Uh, it's been a wild week. I uh, haven't done a ton. Um, Olympics wrapped up. That was something. Uh, so yeah, Canada had a pretty good haul on that front. Was happy uh, with all that stuff. And yeah, I haven't been doing a lot. I got to do some work after this uh, for something due tomorrow. And other than that, I'm back in person for a single class next week, which I'm not looking forward to. Uh, but, you know, 
it could be a whole lot worse. Uh, we're very, very lucky to be living in Canada and the States. Um, so yeah, Josh, you're off too, because for some reason you're just not teaching for one week in February. Why? Uh, the American equivalent of reading week. They just get a, a week off from school. Technically it's called winter break, even though it's now 70 degrees here in Georgia. Um, which actually usually happens for whatever reason, when we typically have this break in February, the weather gets like shockingly nice. So uh, currently dealing with the effects of that. Can't tell if this is a false spring, which usually happens in Georgia, or if this is like the real deal. So the coming weeks will determine whether or not that's the case. But yeah, I've had a lot of decent amount of free time this week. Uh, just filled it up with some, I mean, I still had work in the mornings, but filled it up with a couple of fun things, played some some soccer with some friends in addition to the usual soccer, went to the uh, driving range a couple days ago, uh, been watching Ozark and trying to keep up with that. Uh, that's been pretty good. I just got to the third season. Uh, the Daytona 500 was on Sunday. That was exciting. Had a fun time watching that. Oh, I went and saw Uncharted with my brothers. Uh, did either of you play that video game growing up? No, no, because we're not millennials. My brothers are the same ages as you guys, oh. so that can't be it. <laughs> and also, the game there's like four or five of these video games, all between the years of like 2000. What when did it first come out? I want to say like 2008 to like 2018. Like there's at least 10 years of these games. So nice try, Connor. Well, I was um, trying to get a dig in, but it didn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it did not work <laughs> at all. Um, don't I, I went and saw the movie. It was not very good, uh, which I kind of knew going into it. Uh, we just went to see it just because like the the when we got our PlayStation 3 for Christmas one year, that's the game that came with it, like when it first started. So it's kind of a, I guess, a little bit of a nostalgic thing for, for me and my brothers. But yeah, I think that's it. I am extremely excited for... MLS to be back this weekend. Typically, I'm teaching on the weekends, and so I don't have a lot of free time to watch soccer. But the group that I teach with, they're actually traveling down to Orlando for a competition, and I'm not traveling with them. So I have lots of free time. I'm going to watch me some some MLS all day on Saturday, and then I'm going to go to the Atlanta United game on Sunday. So I am super excited for this weekend, super excited for MLS to be back. I just, ah, uh, it's yeah, only thing keeping me sane right now, as, as we talked about earlier, it's it's hard to grasp <laughs> that a country has invaded another country, but it's it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, uh, that February break is actually we have the same thing in Canada, but we call it March break, where you get a week in February. In February. In March. <laughs> March. You know that month. The next month after this one. It's it sounded like you were saying March break was in February. Am I wrong? Didn't sound like that, Drew. Yeah, it did. I was really confused there. It's like March Madness and half the tournaments in April. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That starts pretty soon too, doesn't it? A couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, I, I got a so notification. Excited. I got an email about March Madness starting up again. And then my, my immediate thought was, so tired of these <laughs> fantasy sports. Yeah. If you, by the way, before we ask Drew how he's doing, uh, join our fantasy league. We're doing MLS fantasy again. Uh, there's currently eight people in the league, uh, including eight Josh. suckers right there. Sorry. 
That's eight suckers right there. Yeah, eight suckers. Um, <laughs> it's on my Twitter. It's on Drew's Twitter. Uh, Josh is no fun, so he hasn't tweeted it or retweeted the tweet I tagged him in. Um, he also hasn't joined the league, but he's going to do that because we're forcing him to. Uh, so join it. The link will be in the description of this episode. Uh, it'll be fun. We're really bad at it, but it's still fun. So yeah, join it. Drew, how are you doing? Hanging in there. Um, let's see. What is the past week? Yesterday I put together my MLS fantasy team, which is probably the most stressful moment, um, of the week until last night, but yeah, I did that. Um, like we, like I think I said last week, I've been reading a ton of Lord of the Rings to get ready for the Amazon show in a couple months. So super enjoying that. I've already read them once and now I'm rereading them and I just forgot how good they were. So that's been cool. I've been doing that. Uh, a lot of free time. I played, I forgot how bad I am at FIFA. I have FIFA 21 and I just started playing that again. I was like, this game sucks. I'm losing like seven to six every time. It's horrible. Uh, played a lot of FIFA. Yeah, getting ready for March Madness. Um, I don't watch college basketball until now. Kind of when I got that email, I was like, oh, crap, I actually have to watch the conference tournaments. Still waiting for baseball to come back. I don't really know if that's going to happen. Freddie Freeman's not going to be a Brave anymore, which makes me incredibly sad. And college baseball started, so we get some baseball fix. Um, But we'll see if baseball comes back. Because right now it doesn't look good. And the Olympics wrapped up, like you mentioned, Connor. The U.S., did eh? I think they got fourth or something like that. So uh, yeah, on the they did well on the gold front, but in terms of total medals, they came either fourth or fifth behind Canada. So is it like total medal count, or does like each medal have a point system? Uh, I think it was just total medal count. Uh, okay. The way the Olympics does it is they rank you based on the number of golds you've won. So Canada actually finished like 11th, despite the fact that they won like a ton of medals. Uh, They had like 14 bronzes, four or five silvers, and like four golds. Um, But because they only had four golds, they didn't finish very high in the standings. Uh, Whereas the U.S. won a bunch of golds. So, yeah, I think Norway won this year, which is interesting because they just take all the skiing. Uh, So... Yeah. And we'll ignore all of the issues with this Olympics uh, and the country that hosted this Olympics, who could very possibly follow suit in what happened last night involving another country. Uh, yeah. Let's do North soccer. America. Abroad. Yeah. Let's talk some soccer. Soccer. <laughs> hey, real quick, before we jump into North Americans abroad, feel like it's worth mentioning, but the U.S. Women's National Team uh, lawsuit with the U S soccer federation for equal pay was finally settled. The women were awarded, was it 24 million or 22 million, $22 million. And then 2 million on top of that will go toward a fund for players after their careers. So 24 million in total. Yeah. Cool. Weird. Yeah. Lots of twos. Of course it did happen on Tuesday, which was also February 22nd of 2022. So a fitting day, I suppose. About to happen, but just thought that was worth mentioning. We've covered lots of that lawsuit stuff, especially when holy crap, almost two years ago, we were spending lots of time covering it during uh, the large pause in soccer when that was a, a big storyline. Then, so definitely 
If you guys want to know more about it or hear more of our coverage on it, you can find some older podcast episodes where we've covered it. But I would say congratulations to the women on finally getting that settled. Hopefully it leads to a much better relationship moving forward. um, And especially as they work through a new collective bargaining agreement, that'll be something to watch. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of Russians, uh, Russian club, Chelsea won their Champions League game against Lille. Uh, Christian Pulisic scored and also, I think, came off injured. Uh, oh, no. no. That was Gio Reyna who came off. Oh, injured. my gosh. I was like, what are you? I was, not not, not <laughs> the first time that would happen, right? He did score a goal in the FA Cup final and come up injured. So I believed you for a second, even though I watched that game. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he didn't come off injured, surprisingly. Instead, it was Gio Reyna. Uh, but he did score. So that's something against Timothy Weah and Jonathan David's allele. Uh, I, th- I don't really think this is going to be a competition because we'll, it, they're just not in that stratosphere. Uh, but yeah, speaking of injuries, Weston McKinney broke bones in his feet or on his feet, his foot. Uh, he's going to miss eight to 12 feet, uh, weeks due to a second and third metatarsal break. That's not good, obviously. Um, he'll be missing the final world cup qualifier windows which is very notable for the u.s who still haven't officially clinched a spot yet uh so that's a big loss for them but at that point mls players should be back in full sort of match fitness which will mean they'll be able to replace him a lot easier uh with match fit players and finally with some actual good news brendan aronson scored in stoppage time for salzburg um he has two goals and an assist through his last three games played. So he's really doing well. We'll see when he gets his move to another club with Leeds interested and obviously Leipzig inter- interested. Uh, but Americans killing it uh, in this past weekend, this sort of past week. Quickly, you two, I don't know if we want to do this, but I'll now. Nope, we're good. All right. Instead, We'll move on to MLS news. Uh, first being Houston Dynamo actually doing something uh, and bringing in potentially a player that could have a really, really big impact on their season. Uh, they've reportedly made an offer for Atletico Madrid and Mexican international Hector Herrera, the central midfielder. Today, as we're recording this about an hour ago, uh, they acquired an international roster spot from Philadelphia for 250000 in gam probably means that Herrera is coming because I don't see why they would do that. If he wasn't, that's a pretty big signing for them. And this is also uh, immediately after they bought out Hector, Her- not Hector Herrera, Joe Corona, uh, who is currently a free agent. Um, so Houston doing big things. Either of you have anything you want to say on that? Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty legit. I am curious to see how much Herrera immediately impacts the team on the field, but he will immediately impact the team off the field. Obviously, Houston has a very large um, Hispanic demographic in the city, let alone in Texas. And, of course, sharing a border with Mexico, it's a huge deal for bringing in a Mexican international like Herrera, an important international player like Herrera. 
So I think this is a huge win for Houston as far as off the field and getting fans in that stadium. And like I've said multiple times, it's a great stadium. It's in a great location. Houston is a market that is very, um, you know, not tapped into yet. And so I think the Dynamo are making some really good moves, moves right now. And this would be a great move for them. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of Mexicans, Jairo Torres uh, has agreed to a deal with Chicago. Uh, he'll be a young designated player. It's reportedly a $6 million transfer fee. Uh, so that'll be a big addition because he was very, as we spoke about, I think last podcast, pretty highly coveted in Mexico and Mexican fans were pretty disappointed that he was leaving. So that's huge move for them. Uh, and they're also apparently tar- uh, targeting Jerson Chacone. Chacon? Jerson? Chacon. Jerson Chacon, uh, who would be U22 signing. He's a Venezuelan international. Um, very, very quickly, Josh, I assume you know about him. No, now, I know nothing about him. All I'll say is props to Chicago for making huge deals this offseason. That's, I mean, uh, they just keep coming one after another. It's kind of impressive. Yeah, and we'll talk about it um, a bit more in a second in terms of how they could do. Uh, but finally, quickly, Cincinnati are going to send up to 425000 in allocation money to D.C. United for Junior Moreno. Uh, he was a free agent, but due to MLS roster rules, they weren't able to sign him as a free agent because he was too young. So they've agreed to a transfer uh, to acquire his rights and have reportedly signed him. Big spend for a guy who's a free agent. I don't know if this will help them at all, to be honest. Uh, but they're trying stuff, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if it were like they spend a ton of money already. So, like, if it works out, which I don't think it will, I mean, what can one guy do? But yeah, they're at least giving their best effort. That's all you can say about Cincinnati at this point, which I feel like we've been able, we've been saying that for like three years now. At least they're trying. It's like we're talking about our child who is <laughs> really bad at soccer, really bad at soccer and really bad at doing things. Um, yeah. But Hey, but Hey, you've got to, you've got yeah. to reward them for trying, you know, you have to be proud of them for at least putting in the effort. That's all you really want. Right. Um, we'll ignore the past three wooden spoons, but yeah. All right. Let's, Talk some CCL because uh, that happened and some teams did well and others didn't. Uh, Montreal did well, though. They did very well. 3 nothing win last night. Uh, big result for them against Santos Laguna. They looked really, really good. I watched about – that was the only game I watched. Actually, no, I watched a little bit of the Colorado, uh, but they looked really good, like really good. Either of you watch that game? I don't get FS2. Very unfortunate. Uh, I was unable to watch any of the CCL action last night because I was playing soccer last night. But as I mentioned on last week's podcast, I watched Montreal last week and they looked really good last week on the road against Santos Laguna. It was just, you know, classic CCL, classic preseason MLS team giving up a late goal. So when I got home and checked the score to see that Montreal had whooped Santos Laguna. I felt extremely vindicated in my assessment of Montreal last week and that they are in fact really good. 
and they continue apparently to look really good. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like really excited for Montreal, like honestly. And, and, and again, just like last week, they're not playing with Alistair Johnson. They're not playing with Sam Piet. I mean, they're not even playing Mason toy. Alistair Johnson came on last night as a substitute. Well, then still the fact that he didn't even start. And I'm assuming I'd have to look at what time he came on, but Montreal scored two first half goals. So the game was pretty much under control by the time Johnson got in there. So again, these are three like really important players for Montreal, not even using those guys that much. And they're already doing really well. I am so excited to see them in MLS this year. I said it last year and I'll say it again. This is a team to watch. They could be very right. Um, this makes up for your awful Nashville take, Connor. I'll give you that. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have no comment to that. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, not terrible. Actually, let's go with terrible, because I also watched a little bit of this game. Colorado fell to Cum- Comunicaciones. Uh, very happy with how I said that. On penalties. That penalty shootout was nuts. Uh, first of all, it had, it was snowing. So the field was covered in snow, uh, and they had to shovel the penalty area before they could start taking penalties. Uh, and then Yarbo, 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 I don't know. Yeah. William Yarbo, Yarbo, uh, really, really good. He made two saves to keep Colorado alive. They just, they weren't very good on penalties, to be honest. Uh, biggest thing though, is they're going to struggle scoring goals this year. Uh, they need a striker. They need somebody who can actually score. I think they have Barrios who's quick and a threat, but they need a striker pretty clearly. Uh, I, I don't know how they address that or who they address that with, but they need somebody. No follow up to that. Nothing. I mean, I agree. Uh, I think I, that was a big reason for me keeping them out of the playoffs in our predictions for last week, the Western conference, they just, they just don't have anybody that can score goals. And it's like you said, Connor, it's super obvious now. I mean, they were up a man for almost the entire game and they couldn't manage more than one goal and had to bring it all the way to penalties at home. So yeah, they should probably invest in a, in a goal score. It's not like they have any open DP slots or anything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's something they really need to address because the rest of that team is very good. Uh, not, not like they have a billionaire owner who owns one of the biggest Premier League clubs and just won a Super Bowl in the NFL. No, 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 you know, not at all. Yeah, they're going to struggle to find money. Um, <laughs> they might need to sell a couple of players. Oh, wait, they just did to Arsenal. Never mind. Um, other CCL news, NYCFC. Did a lot better than, well, Colorado. Uh, they beat Santos de Guapiles. 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 <laughs> As Drosh just walks away because it's not like we're recording a podcast or something. Um, Santos de Guapiles. Uh, six to nothing on aggregate to advance. Oh, he's returned. It's Guapiles. I thought you could hear me while I walked away with my AirPods still in, but... No, we very can't. Uh, and neither can the mic that is recording. You know, because it's a... And you just went on mute. Um, all right. We're having a great episode here. 
Is this something to write home about this NYCFC win? I don't think so. I think this is just them beating a better or not a very good team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that good a player is getting out of the first round. I think it's kind of expected. Now it gets semifinals is when I start taking it seriously. Because I, I think I, I think we could put a little stock into it. I mean, how many times do you see an MLS team come off a of preseason against a smaller club like this and struggle, <clears throat> Colorado? And you know, here's NYCFC, just not not a shred, not a shred of chance for Santos. They Wapulis. So I, I do think there's a little, again, they haven't played a good team yet necessarily, and it will be different when they finally get up against, you know, League MX team or another good MLS team. But for the time being, at least they came off to a really strong, as an Atlanta United fan, you know how badly I would want to see Atlanta do this in the first round of CC and they've never done that. You know, they always got to struggle. They always got to make it closer than it has to be. Yeah. Also, I don't know if I'd call communication as a, uh small team because I do recognize their name. So that has to be worth something. I think they, as I say, is that the bar here? Is that the bar we've set at MLS multiplex? (laughs) Not a small club. If we've maybe vaguely heard of them at one point or another. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Finally, not a very, definitely not a small club. New York revolution are going to be playing Puma. The New York revolution. Ooh. Sorry, I'm reading text. preseason form. <laughs> New England Revolution uh, will be playing Pumas in the next round after sitting out the first round because the team they were supposed to play couldn't get visas. Uh, so, yeah, good luck with that, New England. You are very, very going to need it with half of your team being Toronto FC players and the other half being old. Um, so, good luck with that. Uh, any comment on that? No, nothing. I don't think we need to. Yes. I don't like their I, odds. <laughs> yeah, I don't like their odds either. I I do want to say that I feel like um as a follow-up to our episode last week, we we all basically said it was a disadvantage for New England to advance without playing, but that was us not realizing that the next round of CCL is not for a couple of weeks. So the Revs will have a couple of games under their belt. Will it be enough? Probably not. Probably not for a team against, you know, a, a team like Pumas, but it probably wasn't the worst thing that they just went ahead and advanced into the next round. The plus side, they may have Josie Altador available because he won't be a long enough period of time for him to have gotten injured. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, are they home games or away games? Because that's if it's on turf, you're not having Josie for that game. Against Pumas? Yeah, if it's turf, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be, injured. It'll if, be a home and home. So they'll have home. Oh, no, no, the home no. games will be turf. What I meant is, if any of the games before the CCL action is on turf, you're not. They gonna open play. up in Providence. Providence. Okay, so on turf. Um, I hope Gustavo Bo is healthy because. You're not going to have Josie. Uh, yeah. Speaking of predictions and making idiotic predictions, we're going to do the same thing we did last week with the Western Conference. Uh, I believe same order uh, in terms of doing our standings predictions and then previewing afterwards. Uh, so 
this is a lot harder than the West was. Um, I still don't like my picks, and neither does Josh, and I presume neither does Drew. But we've done them nonetheless. Uh, who wants to go first? Is it going to be me thrown into the fire again? No, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Let me get this out of the way since I... I'm, I want to do it now so I don't change my mind again because I've I've changed my mind a bunch of times. This was really, really difficult. Uh, I was telling Connor before we started recording, but I have often complained about the uh, about how many MLS teams make the playoffs, how it's too many. But uh, starting to think that maybe it's not enough because some of the teams that I've left out of the playoffs, I feel like sick to my stomach about. I feel like there are 10 teams that could realistically compete for these seven spots, which leaves three pretty good teams out of it, um, out of the playoffs. So here we go. Without further ado, my predictions, uh, which I hate. I hate my predictions too. Remember last to first. Yes. So dead last. And I'm pretty sure we all have this. We do Charlotte FC. Uh, when your own manager says we're screwed. I think that's kind of a good indication. Although Ronnie Dyla said that last year and NYCFC won the cup, but I don't think that's going to happen with Charlotte. I do have <laughs> them the organizations place. has city backing. Yes. Very doesn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Charlotte and last year uh, expansion team, pretty much a no brainer. Uh, I'm going DC United second to last. I am very worried about their fitness under Hernan Losada. So I've got them in 13th. Not winning the wooden spoon for the fourth time in a row. I have SC Cincinnati finishing in 12th. That's a market improvement. In 11th, I've got Inter Miami, who I do think will be better this year than they have been in their first two years of existence, but will not make the playoffs. Here's where it gets tough for me. Like I said, I think there are 10 teams that could make the top seven. So I don't feel good about these top 10 whatsoever. But in 10th, missing the playoffs, I have Orlando City. I initially had them third in my rankings and I cannot for the life of it, life of me tell you why I dropped them all the way to 10th. I think I'm just concerned about their new signings, which I'll touch on this in a little bit because I have them for our more in-depth previews of each teams, but also Oscar Pereja uh, for a while, he was really successful in Dallas, but then there reached a point where Dallas would struggle in the second half of seasons. And I think we kind of saw that. We got a taste of that for Orlando last year. So I'm concerned this is kind of an issue for Pareja coach teams. So I've got them in 10th. And ninth, I've got the Chicago Fire. I also felt bad about leaving them out of the playoffs. I love all the moves they've made this offseason. And I think they are trying really hard to be good. And I think they will be much better than they have been uh, for the last decade, really. But not enough to make the playoffs. In eighth, who I feel really, really crappy about leaving on the playoffs is Red Bulls, uh, whose manager also just said he didn't like his team. So go ahead and add that to the list on top of Matias Almeida and San Jose doing that as well. Um, History says Red Bulls are going to make the playoffs because they have the second longest active streak behind the Seattle Sounders. Their manager doesn't seem like that's going to happen, and their team is still super, super, super young. And I'm not sure they have the experience to get into the playoffs, even though they just did it last year. Uh, yeah, like I said, I feel I feel stupid for not having them in the playoffs, to be honest with you. But these, these next seven teams, I mean, so starting in seventh, go ahead and get the pitchforks back out. It's not like you had them put away for very <laughs> long. 
But I got the New England Revolution in seventh. Um, again, I don't feel good about the order of these teams in the top seven whatsoever. All I feel good about is them making the playoffs, and I don't even feel good about that. Um, so New England in seventh, I do think there's going to be a bit of a regression. They're losing some of their players. So that's why I have them so low. But because it's a Bruce Arena coach team and because they have such experienced older players, I think they're a lock for the playoffs regardless. In six, I have the Columbus crew. I also don't feel great about this. The only reason I picked them to make the playoffs is because it's an uh, even year, which means Caleb Porter, uh, Caleb Porter will have success. You laugh, but when he was coach of the, of the Timbers, right? It was like, win MLS Cup, miss the playoffs. Get back to MLS Cup, miss the playoffs. So it seems like everything is going according to plan because first year in Columbus, missed the playoffs. Second year, won MLS Cup. Third year, missed the playoffs. This year, they're locked for the playoffs. That's my reasoning for the crew. In fifth, I have NYCFC. I actually don't feel good about this either now that I say it out loud. I do think they're going to be higher. And as a matter of fact, I am going to change my mind right here on the spot. Instead, in fifth, I am going to put Montreal, who I feel great about making the playoffs this year after missing out on the playoffs last year. Um, Why in fifth? I don't know. And you know what? I'm going to change my mind one more time. And actually... No, I don't feel good. I'm just going to leave Montreal there. I'm going to remove editing capabilities. (laughs) I hate this. I want to pull all of my hairs out of my head. Um, Okay, no, I'll leave Montreal. That sense to be your initial thing, but okay, go. I'm going to cry. I'm going to actually cry. Um, Okay, I'll leave Montreal in fifth. In fourth, I've got Atlanta United. I think they will make the playoffs. They have too much talent not to, and I believe in Gonzalo Pineda as an MLS coach. And third, I've moved NYCFC up there. They are the team with the most regular season points since 2017. Like over the last five years, they've literally been the best regular season team. So they'll at least definitely make the playoffs. Why have I not picked them in first, despite them being the defending MLS Cup champs and returning most of, if not all their players? Well, that's because uh, we're the same morons. What? No, they didn't. They lost James Sands. They're going to lose Val. So? Castellanos. So? You just said they have city backing. They've literally brought in reinforcements. And there's a butt ton of young guys they signed last year who didn't even play that many minutes who are definitely going to factor in heavily this year. Anyway, the reason why I haven't picked them in first is because the geniuses that we are, we picked Columbus and LAFC to finish first last year, and neither of those suckers made the playoffs. So there's no way NYCFC is going to finish first because that's what everybody thinks is probably going to happen. So I have them in third. And second, because you've got to have some sort of random team compared to the year before, Toronto FC. I, I believe in Bob Bradley. I believe in all the talent that they've had. So even though the Reds didn't even freaking make the playoffs last year, and are bringing back a decent amount of the same players. I have them in second. They brought in tons of, of really good improvements, though, so that's a big factor in this. And Bob Bradley is an automatic upgrade. And then in first, I have the Philadelphia Union. Uh, again, I don't like this pick whatsoever, uh, but they have an established team, an established culture. Jim Curtin knows what he's doing. They've improved the team by bringing in guys like uh, Mikhail Ura, and Julian Carranza, um, and there's another DP that they just signed that I am missing off the top of my head. But 
great, great in, in improvements for Philly. So I've got them in first, I guess. So, all right, Connor, it sounded like you had some issues. So, yeah, uh, I don't like NYCFC being that high. I don't think they're going to be at that good. Um, I think there's going to be regression there. I think the Castellanos thing is going to really hang over them. Um, which watch that not be a factor at all. Uh, you just jinxed them into not getting sold. Yes. Uh, what were my other issues? Oh, I had other issues. Which was it? Uh, oh yeah. DC United. I don't think they should be that low. Uh, okay. I think you're forgetting that Ole Kamara just almost won the golden boot. Uh, for a team that didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, but they were on the fringes, and I think they're going to be similarly similarly on the fringes uh, this year, especially with they still got Bill Hamid, so he's always going to keep balls out of their net. What? Who did DC bring in to help uh, freshen up the squad, especially for a play style that takes so much out of the players? No one? Exactly. They did bring in uh, Brad Smith, but that was a replacement for Kevin Paredes, who was a pretty important player for them. So uh, that's what concerns me. I don't think they've freshened up the squad enough, and I think uh, a second year of playing such high-energy soccer is just going to run this team into the ground. They already struggled a ton with injuries last year because of the play style. So, Yeah, I just think they're going to be more in the sort of 10 range as opposed to 14th. Um, Fair enough. But again, that's nitpicking. I'll probably be wrong on that. Well, we'll be wrong on everything. So yeah, we'll be wrong on everything. Uh, this is the most difficult prediction I've ever done in any sport, uh, personally. But Drew, which issues did you have with this? My did you have Vancouver making the playoffs out of the West? Yes, I did. So all three Canadian teams ranking the playoffs this year. Yes, I do. I good about that. I don't. I think Montreal is not going to make the playoffs. I won't pick all Canadian teams to make it. I, as we'll go through, I don't like Red Bulls not making it. I won't pick the Red Bulls not to make the playoffs until I see them not make the playoffs. So that's my biggest issue is the Red Bulls being out. I can get on with the DC thing. I have them kind of in that tennis range that Connor was talking about, but Paredes and losing Paul Ariola, I'm not sure where the goals are going to come from. Uh, Kamara is good, but I don't know if he's that good. Um, da, 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 da. I think that was where, where's your thing at? The thing about the Eastern Conference out of the seven teams that made the playoffs, I could see like four or five of them legitimately finishing in first in the Eastern Conference. Um, I could see Philly finishing first. I could see the crew. I could see Atlanta finishing first. I could see a lot of those teams finishing first. So I think you're right. There are about 10 teams-ish that could make the playoffs. Uh, Chicago, I'm on board with. Charlotte's going to be bad. Uh, yeah, my main issue... I would put Red Bulls in instead of Montreal because I won't, I don't think all three Canadian teams are going to make it and Red Bulls never not make the playoffs in my short history of watching MLS. So that's my main, what's a problem with your picks. I would swap Red Bull and Montreal. Like I said, it, it almost makes me sick to my stomach that I can't include Red Bulls in there because I like second longest streak in the league. Like that's a huge deal for how many teams miss playoffs. Like look at, recent teams that have missed playoffs, Toronto, LAFC, Sporting Kansas City, uh, Columbus. Like these are all teams that are competitive almost every single year, have all missed playoffs in recent years. And the fact that Red Bulls haven't is pretty, pretty astounding. 
which is why I feel like I'm going to throw up from having to put them outside the top seven. <laughs> which after watching that co- that Champions League first couple of legs, I feel bad not putting Montreal in the playoffs. Yeah, you should. Let's do <laughs> yours next so I can get mad at you about not putting Montreal in the playoffs. Okay, here we go. All right, so we're going from last to first and 14th half Charlotte. New team, new shenanigans. I don't think it's going to be very good. In 13th, I have Miami. Um, not a lot of expectations there. Uh, yeah, Miami in 13th. Cincinnati in 12th. As long as they don't finish in dead last, I think that is an improvement for Cincinnati. So I have Cincinnati in 12th. Uh, D.C. United in 11th. Again, I think they will be – I'm not sure losing Paredes and Ariel is going to be big. I think I'm not sure how they can replace it. Like Josh said, they were injured all the time. Kamara is good. I don't know if he's that good. and He doesn't have the same supporting cast that he did. Last season, um, in 10th, I have Orlando. I think they lost a lot of good players, and they brought in some new guys. They spent a lot of money to replace some guys like Daryl DK, uh, Chris Mueller, and Nani, but I just think new kids, new, just not starting to click right just now. Uh, in ninth, I have Chicago. I think kind of the same thing with Orlando. They spent a lot of money. A lot of new things are going on in Chicago. We've talked a lot about how exciting they're going to be. I just don't think they will be good quite yet. I think they'll be fun, but I don't think they'll be good. I think they're going to be the San Jose of the East. They're going to be must, must watch MLS. But if you actually want them to win, I'm not sure if that's going to work out, which is a step above from last year because last year they weren't fun to watch and they didn't win. But at least now they're going to be fun to watch. They'll probably score some goals, but I don't think they'll make the playoffs. In eighth, I have Montreal uh, because – I just think they're probably the eighth best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're right there on the bubble. I don't think every Canadian team is going to make it. I think there are seven teams better than Montreal in the Eastern Conference. If Montreal was in the West, I think they'd make the playoffs. But I think these seven teams are better. They're right there on the bubble. After watching that CONCACAF Champions League first round, like I just said, doesn't feel too great about it. But we also saw this with Toronto last year. The kick button first round of CCL and then collapsed and finished like what 13th or something in the East. So I have Montreal missing the playoffs barely. I think that's going to be a fun decision day, uh, seeing where them and my seventh place team, Red Bulls, I have in seventh. There's a lot of questions about Red Bulls, mainly where are they going to score goals? They scored 39 goals last year, which was the least amount out of teams that made the playoffs. So that's the biggest concern. How are they going to score? Um, but it's the Red Bulls. I'm never not going to pick them to make the playoffs. So I have them in seventh and sixth. I have Toronto. Uh, I think they will make the playoffs. That one. Yeah. Bringing into weird territory now. Cause again, I can see Toronto finishing as high as second, um, but I have Toronto finishing six, a lot of new stuff going on, but a lot of talent. So I think it's going to click a little bit, but not to the extent that I think we'll see in 2023, where I think 2023, they're going to be dangerous and they're going to, return to the TFC that we're used to in fifth. I have the revolution. I think there will be some regression from quite literally the best regular season in MLS history, obviously losing Matt Turner in the summer, losing Tejon Buchanan um, will be big deals. Buchanan gone for the rest of the year. I'm excited to see how that just gets replaced and we'll see how the Matt Turner replacement comes later in the season, but I don't think it's, it's nearly impossible to keep up that good a form uh, for two seasons. I think they'll be good, but they won't be first place. Good again. So I've been in fifth and fourth. I have NYCFC again, coming off 
MLS Cup, they're going to have this weird bumpy road ahead of them trying to play Champions League and MLS regular season games. I think that's going to kind of harm them, especially when you play on a baseball field. You're going from a baseball field to Mexico and then baseball field to Costa Rica and stuff like that. Um, and of course, the cloud hanging over Tati Castellanos, if he goes in the summer, is a big question mark. But I think they will definitely have some regression after winning MLS Cup. So I have NYCFC in fourth. Uh, this one. I could almost see myself flipping Atlanta and Toronto right here, but I'm not going to do it. I have Atlanta United finishing in third. I'm excited to see what happens year two under Pineda. We saw a kind of a weird fake good into the season last year, obviously losing in the first round of playoffs in YCFC, but the end of the season kind of had these encouraging signs. Um, they were playing not the best teams in the world, but they were getting results, which was good. Obviously, bringing in a ton of talent. We'll see how Joseph Martinez does. Um, kind of, it feels like finally fresh after the ACL tear. Um, so I think they have a lot of talent. So I have them finishing in third. In second, I have the Philadelphia Union. Uh, I trust Jim Curtin with my life. They're always good, and I think they're going to be good again. I'm excited to see how the Shibuko replacement does. I think he'll be very good. Um, and yeah, you can never doubt Philadelphia. So I have them in second. In first place. I have the Columbus crew because I'm going to do it two times in a year, two times in a row, kind of psycho. And I love them, but they stayed hurt all this freaking time last year. So if the crew stay healthy, they brought in new transfers. They still have Zardes. They still have Zellerion. Team is stupid talented. I think they're going to finish first. I'm going to do it again. They hurt me last year, but they're not going to do it this year. I picked the crew to finish in first to win the Eastern Conference. So I have the crew, Philly, Atlanta, NYC, Revs, Toronto, and the Red Bulls making the playoffs are my top seven. Go get them, fellas. Josh, you want to go first or me? Um, I can go first. I actually don't have any huge complaints with Drew's thing. I mean, again, I don't see how you can keep Montreal out, at least based on how they played last season and how they've started this season so far. And again, missing key players. Uh, Columbus and first is certifiably insane. But so is, so is trying to make MLS predictions. And I do appreciate the line of thinking and that you did it last year. So they can't hurt you again. Like I respect the like totally illogical reasoning there. Um, no, I mean, yeah, Drew, Drew and I have really similar like teams making the playoffs. Actually all three of us do. Um, and we kind of like if you were to split all of these teams up into groups of like four, um, three or four teams, like we all kind of have them in the same areas. So, yeah, I don't really take many problems with this. Uh, just I, I can respect like Columbus making the playoffs again. That's why I picked them to make the playoffs to go to go all the way back to first is is a bit crazy. And then, yeah, like I said, I'm just I'm so high on Montreal right now that I can't see them not making the playoffs, even though the playoffs don't start for another nine months. And here we are trying to pre pretend like we know what's going to happen in nine months. Yeah. Uh, I echo everything Josh said. Um, I think there are definitely blocks in terms of talent in the East, but yeah, I don't know. That is, I don't like the Montreal pick. I'm not huge on the Columbus pick. I think the injuries are still going to be a factor because they are an older team, but they are getting Aiden Morris back. So I think that's a big addition. Um, yeah. I have nothing else to add. I'll do my picks. Uh, 
14th, Charlotte, 13th, Cincinnati, 12th, Inner Miami. Pretty self-explanatory. 11th, I have Orlando. Uh, similar to both of you, I think injuries are going to be an issue. Uh, well, I think injuries are going to be an issue. I think the turnover is going to be an issue. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Orlando is going to struggle. I don't know how smart it is relying on a 32-year-old Alexander Pato to carry your team. Um, they're, uh, they're not relying on him. Uh, who else? Uh, probably the two new players that they signed that are young, Facundo Torres and then Arsan Cara. I forgot about Cara. Uh, I think that's a problem that they're relying on him is why them is why they have him so low. You're relying on two young guys that have yet to play in MLS. Yes. And a 32 year old striker with the backup being, although I love him, I think, or does he get traded? No, he's still there. It was Bunbury who got traded. Taisho Akindele. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be very good. I have DC in 10th. Uh, I think they're going to be right in the mix still. Um, I just think Bill Hamid is so good that he'll just carry them to that sort of position. Um, I have the Red Bulls in ninth. Again, I just struggle to see how they're going to score goals. And... I've goalkeeping is a bit of an issue for me as well. I, I think it's, is it Colonel who's still in net uh, who they exposed in the expansion draft? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're going to be very good. I have Chicago in eighth. I think that backline is going to be an issue. They're going to score a ton of goals. I just think they're also going to concede them. But if Gabriel Salina plays out of his mind, I could very, very easily see them taking at minimum the team I have in seventh, which is NYCFC. Uh, I think the Castellanos thing is really going to hang over their heads and uh, be a bit of an issue. So, yeah. Uh, sixth, I have Montreal. I think they're very good. I think they're just in a very tough Eastern Conference. Fifth, New England. I think they're going to fall off a bit. I think injuries are going to be a big issue. Uh, I don't know how good an, of an idea it is to bring in the remnants of LA Galaxy from X amount of years ago. Uh, bringing in Sebastian Lejet is a big boost, but they also lost Tajon Buchanan, uh, who removes a lot of sort of freedom in terms of their attack and their positioning. Uh, in fourth, I have TFC. Insigne coming in the summer is going to be a huge addition. I think they're going to have a great second half. The first half is what scares me, though. I think they might struggle a little bit, although we'll see if they can bring in Crescito ahead of time or not. Uh, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. In third, I have Columbus. Just a very good team. I think they're going to bounce back. I can't see them not bouncing back with how stacked that roster is. Second, I have Philadelphia. They're always good. They're always in the mix. Uh, I like Jim Curtin as a coach. Um, yeah, I just think they're going to be a good team. And in first... I have your Atlanta United. This is a team who I see as being incredibly stacked. Uh, they've got a great striker. They've got great wingers. Um, they've got a really, really good back line with Miles Robinson. Goalkeeping is a very big issue, but I think the rest of their team sort of makes up for it. So, yeah, I also like Pineda as a coach. I think he's going to do very well uh, because he was in that Seattle system for so long. Have at me. 
How much do you hate me putting Atlanta United in first place? I could actually see it happening. I really could. I'm not going to get my hopes up and make the playoffs. They could finish anywhere from first to seventh, though, um, depending on a myriad of things. Um, yeah, I mean, you and I have the same seven making the playoffs. Like I said, our, our other teams that aren't, they're kind of all grouped around the same way. We've already talked about our disagreement on DC United. I don't think they'll do that well, and, and you see them uh, performing much better than I do. Uh, I think your assessment of Columbus being a good team is a little off. I think both of you guys are overrating Columbus just a bit. And like I said, the only reason I have them making the playoffs is because that weird thing that Caleb Porter does. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. True. I don't think I have a lot. NYCFC at seventh, I think might be my biggest issue. I think they'll finish higher than that. Um, Atlanta at first. I Atlanta might be the team that I could fit. I could honestly see them finishing anywhere from first to 10th in the Eastern conference. Um, I don't think it will happen, but crazier things have happened. So I'm not going to get too upset about that. Philly at two, Columbus three, TFC at four. Yeah. I think really, I mean, we have like pretty much the same teams. Uh, yeah. Not a whole lot to complain about. I would say my biggest thing is I think NYCFC is going to finish higher and seventh um but the first half is a good point with champions league and just mls cup hangover might be an issue um yeah i mean i'm right there with you columbus i think columbus is going to be really good uh so i think my biggest thing would be nycfc i think we'll finish higher than seventh i could see them finishing top five for sure i'll actually argue drew just a little bit here and technically myself but if NYCFC does end up making a, a decent Champions League run, it will certainly affect their regular season, regular season MLS. We have yet to see an MLS team put together a strong CCL run and have a good MLS season. They usually don't connect. When Toronto reached the final, they were ravaged with injuries and didn't make the playoffs that year. When LAFC made the final, they barely made the playoffs and got knocked out in the first round and did not have that great of a season by their own standards. So, yeah, I don't know. If NYCFC does end up playing well, I definitely uh, agree with you, Connor, and thinking that it's going to affect them a lot. Is it is it worth it, though, for NYCFC to – let's say this happens, right? They win – even go start as a win CCL and then have a rough first start, which translates into a bad MLS season. Like, if you're NYCFC, do you take that trade off? Absolutely, 100%. I think any MLS team takes that trade off, especially since the league is still trying to win its first CCL title. Um, it, it is totally worth one, especially since, like we were just saying, most teams that make it to the final already kind of forfeit their regular season as it is. So if you're trading that off for winning CCL, I think NYCFC would certainly take it, and I think just about any MLS team would take that trade off. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe if you actually win it, like you have a good season because you're not upset or looking back with regret on that game. Because I'm sure that really weighs heavily on you if you get to the final and you don't end up winning. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see if NYCFC or any MLS team do make it, how they 
rebound to potentially winning um, CCL. God, I fully blanked for a second. Um, let's do previews uh, because we did this last week and I, I like the format. I think the format worked pretty well. Uh, both of you are good at analysis and I'm good at transitioning. I think I hope uh, I can transition things basically. Uh, so we're going to go through each team uh, with a small preview involving uh, their most important player, uh, what success is for that team and things to watch uh, specifically. So sort of like one question, like, will this happen sort of thing? Um, we're going to start it off with both of you giving analysis, I think, because it's your team, uh, Atlanta United. Who wants to go first on Atlanta United analysis? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and just take it real quick. Uh, just a brief thing. I'll let Drew do most of it. But as far as most important player, I mean, he'll probably say it's to Joseph Martinez. Uh, and success, I mean, you got to go for trophies no matter what. It's what Atlanta United has said they would try to do for forever. Uh, then the thing to watch, uh, I, for me personally, I think it's you've spent millions and millions of dollars on all these players. Are you going to get anything out of it? Because Atlanta hasn't really hit on a big signing since I think Miguel Almiron was technically the most recent one because they signed him after Joseph. So that's the, that's a big thing for me. I went a little different as far as the player to watch, um, even though Joseph is always a player to watch, I feel like. But I went with Marcelino Moreno. I think Elaine United has a problem, could potentially not have a problem with chance creation. And I think Marcelino Moreno could potentially help solve that problem. Uh, he could or he could not, which I think would be a big down to uh, getting Joseph service and things like that. So I think he's going to be a player to watch. Um Success, like Josh said, trophies, they spent millions and millions, broke the record transfer fee again. So you don't spend that money just to make the playoffs. You spend it to win trophies, whether it's Open Cup, MLS Cup, or the Shield. So I think they are a trophy or bust club. Um, and my question kind of is around the same thing, but specifically focusing on Tiago Almada, um, breaking the transfer fee again. A lot of people I've seen have been comparing this transfer to the likes of Pity Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. Is this going to be one of those type signings or is it going to be Miguel Amaron type signing? Um, we'll see how that goes. First season, big transfer fee, big expectations. So that is my question about that, um, which kind of plays more specifically into what Josh said that you spent a ton, a ton of money, a lot of shuffling around with said money with Barco going to River Plate. And now you're bringing in another player you spend a lot on. So my question is what's the first season with Tiago Almada going to be like given the pretty poor track record of these expensive signings in their recent past with Barco and Pity Martinez. Let's go from a team who's probably going to do well to a team that's very not. Joshua, tell us about the team whose manager basically said they're screwed. Yeah, that was definitely the nice way of, of putting it. There's a few translations for that in Spanish. Yes. Some of which are not uh, family friendly, but yes, Charlotte FC, the newest neighbors to Atlanta United in Nashville down here in the Southeast uh, for most important player this year. I'm picking Anton walks most recently spent two years with Atlanta United. And a big reason for picking him is he's proven that he is a good MLS center back. He's not going to be the best in the league. I don't think, um, but he will be an important building block for the squad. 
Also, he's got experience playing on an expansion team in their first year of existence when he did so for Atlanta United back in 2017. So five years later, he's older, he's more mature. I think he's going to be a big leader for the Charlotte FC team in their first season, and they're going to need it. Their goal for this year, measure of success, don't be the worst team in the league. Uh, Normally it wouldn't be so hard because FC Cincinnati has hogged that spot from everyone else for the last three years. However, I think Charlotte might give them a run for their money. Uh, as we've alluded to many times, Miguel and Helmer Ramirez, their manager has said himself that they're screwed. So not a vote of confidence in the slightest. Uh, so that's, that's for me, measure of success. Just don't be the worst. And then the biggest question for them this year is, will they be the worst team in the league? Um, that's kind of a, a joke. You know, it's kind of building off of the whole, you know, trying not to be the worst. I do think their biggest question in, you know, a more serious tone for them this year is, you know, can they just build a good foundation for years ahead? You know, you look at teams like Atlanta and LAFC, and while they both performed well on the field in their first year of existence, they also did well off the field with their fan base and building a strong fan base. Uh, you kind of see the same things with Austin, who didn't do that well in the field, but did start off strong in having their own stadium and building up a good fan base. Cincinnati, you could argue, started off strong in terms of having their fans behind them, and they've built such a nice stadium. But they did not do a good job building that foundation on the field. So I am very anxious to see if Charlotte can at least build something for the future, if not for immediate success this year. Now let's go from one CFC to the next CFC in Chicago fire. Drew. Tell us. Yeah. About Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago is a pretty exciting one. I think we're used to them just not being very good, but given the crazy off season that they had, um, a lot of people are paying attention to Chicago. So for that reason, my kind of line of success is making the playoffs. I think not so much as a top seed, but if you can sneak into that like seven seed playoff spot, I think that'll be a good line of success for Chicago. So that kind of relates to my question. Um, there's a lot of new things going on in Chicago, a lot of new players coming in at various points during the season. How is that all going to work together? Um, I think as long as they get a general idea of how they want to play and something that, you know, toward the end of the season looks like, it's going to work and is effective in this league. Um, that would be a good stepping stone for 2023. So I think if they can sneak in that one of those few bottom playoff spots, I think that would be a phenomenal start for Chicago as they kind of try to start a new era with the club. So my question is, how is all this new stuff going to work together? Uh, my bar success is sneaking into the playoffs in that bottom couple seeds. I mean, my player to watch is Shabilko. Obviously, Shakiri is kind of getting the headlines, but I think he's coming in later in the season if I remember that transfer right. And Shabilko has played in this league. He's done well in Philadelphia in this league. And if he can keep that up with Chicago, I think that's going to be a good, consistent presence to have up top um, for them as they do a lot of this. So he's my player to watch. And for Chicago, man, just build something that looks good and that looks like it'll be competitive in 2023 um, because a lot of new stuff is going on and I'm not really sure if it's all going to mesh together as well as it will in 2023 so just sneak in the bottom seven playoff spots or something like that and I think that's a great start for Chicago moving forward 
All right, let's go from CFC team to a FCC team in FC Cincinnati. Josh, explain to us why you picked the wrong player to watch. Well, I picked the right player slash most important player for Cincinnati this year because I actually understand soccer, unlike Connor over here. Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow, Connor, you just got to look at the analytics. You know, you just need to look at what the numbers are telling you. (laughs) Yeah, the Um, numbers are telling me you're not picking the guy who was bought for $15 million. Yes, and that would be what we consider a misleading number. Uh, So on the surface, you would probably think I was picking Brenner, but because I'm so smart and because I'm I'm just a genius, uh, I've decided to big brain this and go Alec can. Now, we joke, but in all seriousness, this is a major, major, major upgrade for FC Cincinnati, who not only had the worst goalkeeper in the league last year, they actually had the three worst goalkeepers in the league last year. All three keepers that started for them put up the worst um, expected goals against differential. They are now getting the second best keeper in the league, only to Matt Turner and Alec Can in that uh, expected goals against differential. So. By that metric, they are getting a major upgrade. But seriously, though, Alec Can is going to be huge for Cincinnati. They have had many other issues, but one of the biggest ones has been horrible goalkeeping. That will no longer be a problem going forward should Can stay healthy. Uh, their measure of success for them, uh, not winning the wooden spoon. They've done it every single year that they've been in MLS. So if they can manage to not win the wooden spoon for what I believe would be a record fourth time in a row, that would be great for Cincinnati biggest question for them is will they win the wooden spoon or not? Will (laughs) they be the worst team in the league or not? Uh, And I know this is basically the same question I posed for Charlotte, but it's a, it's a legitimate question for Cincinnati. Can they show some sort of improvement? Can they show some sort of consistency, some stability? I do think it will come. I think picking up, uh, was it Chris Albright? Uh, from Philadelphia and also bringing in Pat Noonan from Philadelphia. I think these are smart moves. I think these are good initial moves for Cincinnati to get out of the gutter. Will that translate onto the field? Who knows? They haven't made tons of player personnel changes. So it's going to be on Pat Noonan. You know, can he bring out the best in the squad that he has at his disposal? So that's my question for them is, will they be the worst team in the league again? Hopefully not. All right, after Josh's Atlanta bias shines through, um, let's go to Columbus with Drew. Yes, making our way down the hell is real rivalry. Um, Columbus, Columbus, Columbus. Yes, very high. On the crew that we talked about, uh, my biggest, my player to watch, Zillarion, kind of a cop-out answer there, I feel like, but obviously we know how good he is. Um, He was huge in that 2020 MLS Cup run. Uh, So seeing if he can... I guess this kind of plays into my question too, seeing if he can stay healthy just as the rest of the team, because we know how talented they are. Um, but it just felt like injuries, international call-ups just plagued their crew last year. I'm going to put them out of the playoffs. So my biggest question is, can they stay healthy? Um, and Zellerano is my player to watch. My kind of bar for success, this is, I, I don't want to say trophies, but I don't want to, I say like a top-seeded playoff spot would be my bar of success for the crew. I'm not at the point where I think they should be trophies or bust yet, but I'm not, I think they have a higher standard than just making the playoffs. So I would say top four playoff spots, I think would be a good spot for the crew to kind of look to 
uh, for success in 2022. But if they, if they stay healthy, man, we know the talent they have, we know it worked in 2020 and a lot of that team is still kind of there. Um, so they have the talent to be good, obviously winning MLS cup and stay healthy. That's the biggest concern for them. Um, and yeah, if they do that, I think a top four playoff spot and making a run at MLS cup, uh, is not too far off for them. All right. All right. My mic was muted. Uh, DC United, Josh, what do we need to know about that? Most important player for me is Edison Flores. He's one of their DPs. Uh, he struggled. This is going to be his third year. So it's, it's kind of time for him to start showing up first year, always tough for players that, you know, have never played in MLS, uh, let alone in the midst of the early stages of a pandemic, like in 2020 last year, couldn't stay healthy long enough to have an effect. So if he can manage to stay healthy and play like the player he was before he got to DC, huge difference for this team goal for them. As far as success is making the playoffs. They were unable to do so the last couple of years, barely missed out last year. They kind of fizzled out down the stretch. And a big reason for that is because of the style that Aaron Losada employs with this team. So my big question for them is, can they continue to play at that level under Losada for a second season? I am extremely skeptical. I'm not really sure if the team will be able to handle it, but that's going to be the biggest thing for them. All right. Inner Miami, Drew, tell us about this Frankly, completely different team. This wonderful success of a club that has built a history of dominance in Major League Soccer. Yeah, no, that's not Miami. Um, so for that reason, my Miami trophy of success, uh, don't be in last. Don't be, I would say, 10th. Because for something, for some reason, like 10th feels like you're not terrible, but you're not the worst. So don't be last. Good thing for them is I don't think they will be last because you have Charlotte and FC Cincinnati to kind of occupy that 14th spot. So that's my level of success for them. Don't be last. Finish around that 10 spot. Um, my most important player is DeAndre Yedlin, new signing coming in this season, because a big problem they have is not getting Higuain support. And when you combine our King and best player in the league, Breck on the left, potentially DeAndre Yedlin on the right, maybe get some crosses in and maybe get Higuain's head on some balls. Um, but then the question is, is Yedlin actually going to be good when it comes as far as defending that position? You have to run all the time, it seems like. And yeah, those legs only have so many miles in them. So is he going to be a good attacking force, but a liability on defense? Is he going to be not support Higuain, um, not getting any service? So that is my big thing. I think a lot of Miami success is going to be getting Higuain service. And Yedlin could be another player that could do that, or he could not factor into that at all and continue their struggles. Um, so yeah, that's just my big thing. Uh, don't finish in last and can Higuain get support. And I think the Andre Lennon could provide a way into doing that for this year. Completely forgot DeAndre Yedlin was even back in MLS. Uh, but yes, that's even more excitement for Inter Miami, or at least something for them to look forward to. Josh, tell us about the most well-rounded team, in my opinion, in MLS, Montreal. Yeah, we've talked a lot about Montreal in this episode, and for good reason. Most important player um, for them, to me, is Georgi Mihailovic, who is already off to a good start. He's looked really good in those first two CCL games. He had a fantastic season last year for Montreal, and it kind of went under the radar, but more people are certainly paying attention to him now. So he's going to be very, very important to their success this year. 
Speaking of success for them, I think that's making the playoffs. Just because they were unable to make the playoffs last year, if they had made the playoffs last year based on how they started this year, I would say that they need to be pushing for some sort of silverware. They need to be pushing for, uh, you know, a bit of a higher seed, but playoffs for them for sure this season. And then my big question for them is, will there be more continued improvement? The team was a bit rough under Thierry Henry back in 2020 and a pandemic aside and weird season aside, there was very obvious improvement under Wilfred Nancy for the next season. And Nancy was part of Henry's staff, which is why I mentioned that. So will there be even more improvement this year? Again, it's early. It's a small sample size. We've only seen two games, but that does seem to be the case. But I definitely think that's going to be the biggest thing for Montreal and whether or not one, they'll be able to make the playoffs and then two, be able to play well and have a good uh, season this year. All right, Drew, can you tell us about your favorite team and Josh's favorite team, the new England revolution? Yes, my beloved Revs. I didn't get any of my favorite teams last time, but now I get two of my favorite teams this time. This is awesome. But yeah, the Revolution, uh, my biggest question for them is what is life like without Tejon Buchanan? Uh, I think I even said it last, probably whenever we talked about him leaving, I said they really need to win it last year because losing Tejon Buchanan, obviously we know how good he is from both international and club level. And they lost him, and they didn't win MLS Cup, but they had the best regular season in league history, so they got a shield out of his time there. Um, so what is life like out? What is life like without him? Because those type of players don't come very often. Um, and then later on, what is life like without Matt Turner? Again, best goalkeeper in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll start to see how really good he is when he leaves. So what is life like without Buchanan? And then in a couple of months, the question will be, what is life like without Matt Turner? Um, so that's my question about them. Uh, I think this team, honestly, I'm going to say trophies is their bar of success because they still have so much talent around them. I think the playoffs are, I don't want to say a given because this league is a crapshoot and you don't want to say anything is a given, but they're on a trophies team. Um, so that's their bar of success, whichever trophy that is. And I'm going to take the easy way out here. My player to watch Carly seal. He's one of the best, if not the best player in the league as Connor rolls his eyes. It's a cop-out answer. It's a, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But I went with it. He's good. So if he plays bad, then I'll shoot. If he gets hurt, oh crap, they're screwed. So I went with Carlos Seal. Easy answer. I took the easy way out. Yes, he did. Uh, Josh didn't take the easy way out for the next team, though, in NYCFC. Yeah, so the easy choice here would be Tati Castellanos or maybe Maxi Morales or maybe even Sean Johnson. But instead, I've picked Maxime Cheneau as NYCFC's most important player this year. Uh, and really, I would also have gone with maybe Alexander Kayens or uh, Anton Tinnerholm whenever he's finally able to come back from his ACL injury. The reason why I went with Cheneau... Is it or ACL or Achilles? Achilles, my bad. Achilles injury. Either way, he's still definitely going to be out for a few more months before he's finally able to, to get back in. But the reason why I'm sticking with all these kinds of players is because they're older they play more towards the back, either defender or a goalkeeper. And I'm picking this kind of player because overall NYCFC are very young. Most of their attacking and midfield players are young, somewhat inexperienced. So I think a guy like Cheneau, who has been with the team for a few years now um, and plays such a crucial part along that back line is going to be really important for NYCFC as they 
push for another successful season fresh off of an MLS Cup win. So speaking of a successful season, easy goal for them, win more silverware, get more trophies, push for CCL, obviously, which they are currently in the midst of. Um, but I think anything less than at least one trophy for NYCFC this year is going to be a letdown. And I will include Campione's Cup on that since they will get the chance to play for that title. Um, and then as far as, you know, the big question, and it's just, can they continue being one of the best teams in the league since 2017? They have the most points accrued uh, out of everyone in the league, which is extremely impressive. So they've been a model of consistency and they were finally able uh, to get a trophy to show for that last year. So now it's just about maintaining that sort of progress, maintaining that sort of success uh, for them this year and whether or not they can do that. All right, Drew, tell us about the other New York team that doesn't play in a baseball stadium or even play in New York. Yes. The New York Red Bulls, the New Jersey energy drinks. Um, yes. I think their line of success for them is the playoffs just because they've made it all the freaking time. So I think, Making the playoffs is a good start. I don't think they're at a trophy level quite yet, but I think if they make the playoffs, um, I think they will be more than happy for the Red Bulls. Um, My biggest question for them is where are the goals going to come from? I think I mentioned this a little bit. We've talked about it when we did our predictions, but they had the least amount of goals scored out of playoff teams, and that came into factor in their playoff loss, which was a 1-0 loss to Philadelphia, I think, so they don't score a lot. And I think that will be a big question for them in this season. And because of that, my player to watch, keep an eye on is Lewis Morgan after coming over from inter Miami. He had a good season in 2020 um, kind of regressed in 2021. So can he get back to that 2024 he had with Miami in a wild season, his first year in the league. And yeah, he provided kind of a consistent threat for Miami on the left there. And can he do something similar to that for red bulls? Because if he does, that might be an answer to their goals problem. So we'll see how Lewis Morgan does because they need goals and he might or might not be the guy to do that. Very possibly. He's going to be a very, very key part of their team going forward, uh, wherever he plays, be it on the wing or at fullback. Uh, But speaking of wingers, Josh, tell us about Orlando. Yeah. Uh, most important player for them, in my opinion, is going to be Facundo Torres, who is going to be one of their attackers, most likely playing on the wing. Normally, I wouldn't pick a new signing like this, but because Orlando City's front office straight up said, we think this is one of the top three players in all of South America, right off the bat, you're already putting some huge expectations on Torres. And whether or not it's warranted, we're going to find out. But that's why I'm going with him as most important player. Uh, For Orlando, I think the goal this year should be competing for silverware. They've shown they can make the playoffs. Last year, they kind of struggled down the stretch, but still got the job done and uh, made the postseason. So then now it's time for them to take the next step and get some trophies to to show for all that um, continued progress and making the playoffs. Biggest question for them is, will these new replacements be enough? They've lost some really key players in Nani, Daryl DK, and Chris Muller. So... Can guys like Facundo Torres and um, Arisan Cara, um, can Pato even show up this year and make some sort of impact for Orlando? Because he's basically a new signing, for being honest. So can these replacement players really show up for Orlando and get the job done? Uh, that's going to be the big question. And we're going to quickly stay in Florida for a second because we just had a little bit of news drop from Paul Tenorio. Uh, former Inter-Miami executive Paul McDonough 
confirmed to me that he has been reinstated by MLS. McDonough was suspended to the end of the 2022 season for the Miami roster rules infractions, but was eligible for reinstatement as of March 1st. Uh, he declined further comment. So McDonough could be back in the league, depending on uh, if somebody actually wants to hire him. He's been reinstated, so we'll have to see and see what happens with that. Uh, but continuing on with our previews, Philadelphia. Drew, tell us about Jim Curtin. Yeah, yeah. I think Philadelphia has a standard for themselves to win trophies. Um, so that is my kind of bar for success. Playoffs are become very common in Philadelphia and now it's just continuing to get trophies, obviously getting the shield not too long ago. Can they do something similar to that in 2022? So I think they are a trophies level team. Um, my biggest question and kind of my player to watch are connected, but how will they replace Shabilko? And obviously bringing in, I'm going to totally botch the pronunciation. Kelly, I think is how you yeah, say no. his name. Uh, Good job. Yes, man. let's go. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, yeah. So they brought him in to replace Shabilko pretty clean, like for like replacement. Um, how is he going to do? Is he going to keep up that standard? And is that going to lead to them competing for trophies? Because they had done so multiple times with Shabilko. And now he has gone to Chicago. And can Ure keep it up? Because he has big shoes to fill in 2022 in Philadelphia. All right. And I'm finishing us, finishing us off with Toronto because it's my club. Uh, and they're a very interesting team. Uh, I could have gone with dozens of players as uh, being the most important, but the one I decided to go with was Jaquil Marshall Rossi. Uh, he's been in the headlines a lot recently, uh, as it's reported TFC have put a $20 million price tag on him. Um, he's going to be the right back for TFC. And the reason I chose him is they don't really have a solid option behind him. Uh, it's sort of, him and then Caden Chung, who isn't amazing. Uh, so he's going to be a very key part of TFC going forward. And it's going to be very interesting to see how well he can transition to uh, playing as a right back after previously being sort of a right winger. Uh, the thing that I think will mean success for them is making the playoffs. I think they have to. Uh, it's not really an if, uh, it's a have. So yeah, uh, they need to make the playoffs is sort of the bottom line. And then how will they do uh, before Insigne is my big question. They're going to get some reinforcements come the summer, but they need to get there first, and that's going to be difficult. Uh, so how well do they rebound? How well do they survive without uh, some of those summer signings? And can they stay above water to put themselves in a position where they can make the playoffs uh, going into the end of the season but that is our predictions hate us for everything um i'm sure we hate ourselves it's okay yeah uh he's not wrong um we hate all our predictions so you know uh hate us for our previews and all that fun stuff join the fantasy league which josh is going to do immediately after we finish recording Uh, uh actually i already did it while we're recording thank you very much there you go. So he actually did it. Uh, we'll see if he can finish above second last. Um, yeah. Anybody have anything they want to add? Yeah. Fantasy soccer sucks. Okay. I hope that guy that didn't set his team joins the league again. So Josh doesn't finish in last. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Josh, you got to do better this year. Um, I'll try a little harder. Oh, God. Which okay. is not saying much because I didn't try it all last year. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, if we don't have anything else we want to add apart from roasting ourselves, Drew, you can take us out. Yes, thank you guys so much, as always, for taking the time to listen to our wonderful predictions that we will most certainly regret here in a couple of months. But we really do appreciate it. And as always, visit the website, mlsmultiplex.com to check out awesome written content. As the season cranks up, written content's going to also crank up. So be sure to visit the website as our awesome team of writers gets to write about actual soccer happening. I know we are all very relieved to talk about real soccer. So be sure to tune in on that. Follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex to find stories as they get posted. You can find us on Twitter to find our thoughts and reactions as we sit down on couches and watch MLS this weekend. We'll surely have lots of thoughts. Um, you can find Josh at Josh underscore Boland, Connor at CWG Somerville, and myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. See all of our fun thoughts and takes about soccer as it happens. And as always, please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing ways how we can improve and how we can always improve our episodes and always trying to get better. So please leave a review on that. And again, one last time, please join the fantasy league. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you get to be either really good or really bad. Josh, it's fun. We all hate ourselves, but it's link fun. In the description. Uh, link will be in the description. So be sure to join. It's free. It's fun. And you get to maybe embarrass us. So be sure to do that. And thanks again so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week because Dang it, we have soccer to talk about. It'll be fun, I promise. So be sure to tune in next week as we talk about real soccer games. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.